This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to another episode of You're In Good Company, a podcast for like-minded people who want to make smart investment decisions. I'm Maddie and I'm here with my good friend Sophie. Good morning, Maddie. I'm so excited today because we are joined by a very special guest. But before we start today's episode, we'd like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders, past and present, and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. Today, we are incredibly fortunate to be joined by the very impressive Sally McDonald. Sally's career began when she graduated with a Bachelor of Commerce from Melbourne University and obtained an MBA from the Harvard Business School. Sally started working at Boston Consulting Group in both Melbourne and New York and worked in consulting for almost 15 years before becoming the CEO and Managing Director of Oriton Group. At the time, the group was listed on the stock exchange and also included the Ralph Lauren brand. Sally turned the business around from loss making to record profits in her seven years there. There's no doubt that it was this performance that caught the attention of Big W, which Sally became the CEO of between 2015 and 2016, before returning to consulting as an investor and business advisor. Welcome, Sally. Hi, guys. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much for being with us here today. We're so excited you're our first in-person interview guest. So this is so exciting for us. Deep eye contact right now. (laughs) What we do with all our guests is ask them some questions before we start and move into our topic. And our first question for you this morning is, what is your morning routine? Oh, you're not going to like me. I don't don't love routine, um, but coffee, I guess, would be the most regular thing that I would have. And I actually get it delivered in bed. How's that? By your my husband. Yeah, by my husband. By Uber Eats? Not by Uber Eats. That would be extremely lazy. No. And then, look, I love Pilates. I love cycling, but walking the dog. But otherwise, yeah, every day is a little different. And Sal, who or what influenced you to invest? Look, unfortunately, nobody. And I was probably quite slow to invest. So I look at you guys and anybody in their 20s now and think, get going. It's such an opportunity and advantage that you've got Google, that you've got the whole world at your feet. Uh, we had Encyclopedia Britannica, you know, a world book. You had to look up for your information. <laughs> <Many> books. <laughs> um, and if you wanted to buy shares, you had to find a broker. That was pretty intimidating, the older guys. So I didn't get going until probably my late 30s. And it was probably working at Oriton and meeting fund managers as part of the job. And they'd ask me a ton of questions and, you know, put a buy rating or whatever on the company with a share price. And I'm like, hold on. How did you get that? Oh, you got that information from me. (laughs) Oh, hold on. Some of them were were not smart. Some of them weren't visiting stores. They didn't know anything about handbags or apparel or retail. And I'd be explaining concepts to them. I'm thinking, hold on, they've got these jobs in finance, you know, advising and buying and selling shares. I'm going to do it. 
So I had a good friend from uni that actually was managing our super and I took it back from him. <laughs> said, sorry, love what you're doing, but and and have done it directly ever since and now manage my mother's money as well. And I'm absolutely loving it. I just uh I would say do it, do it early. Yeah, it's always a with Maddie and I have found it's such an exciting process, mm-hmm. like investing. So everyone needs to jump on board. And our last question is in one minute or less, if you were a stock or a company, who would you be and why? <laughs> oh, look, I'm tempted to say Tesla because he's just so lucky, yeah. <laughs> of course, but I, every other guest will say that as well. I'm going to say if I could choose, I would be Kathy Wood of ARK Invest. She's ah. my absolute hero. I think she's the best investor in the world of my generation. She's in her 60s. She started the business probably only five, ten years ago don't know if you know of ARK Invest, but they publish a ton on Twitter, Reddit, YouTube, Instagram, like <laughs> talk about a fund manager on Instagram. And I think she has sort of three of the best 10 or 20 performing funds in the US. And they're just, um, and they've got employees in Morocco, all over the world. Um, and they're focused very much on disruptive themes and technology and how the world's changing. And we're in this golden age of change. And she's just so intelligent, so smart. I just think she's a rock star. So I'm going to choose Kathy. Nice. Well, I'm sure we'll look that one up. Yeah, I'll definitely be all over Kathy later on today. So when we start making investment decisions, there are so many factors to consider. And today we really want to start with the macro or I guess the bigger picture of investing. So when researching companies or ETFs that you want to buy, it's important to have an understanding of sort of the political or global events that are going on at the moment that could potentially have an impact on your investments or also create some investment opportunities. So I guess if we take it back a little bit, Sal, can you sort of explain to us how you would define the macroeconomic environment or what that really is? I think just take out the word macro and just call it the economic environment. Um, and Everything affects the share market and sometimes it's rational, sometimes it's not. I think it's powerful to have a few of the sort of, I guess, some knowledge about the economy just so that you're not scared as an investor because you shouldn't be, I don't believe, putting money into the market and hoping that it goes up in a month. You've got to be in the long term or or don't do it. Um, So the macroeconomic environment is, is things like unemployment rate, the CPI, which is the inflation rate. Um, and the GDP or growth, there'd be the three main sort of, I guess they're lagging indicators of where the economy is. And by the time they're measured, that's what's been. Um, but you also have so many other things like consumer confidence, like volatility index, like the yield curve, like uh, the terms of trade and is the government in budget deficit or surplus, how are exports, and and that's what's interesting. Or or even like housing starts, that that would be called a... Um, a leading indicator. So it's sort of if there's less houses that are starting construction today, that possibly means that in a few months' time we'll see lower growth, we'll see less jobs. Investors are watching all of these things and getting super complicated about it and throwing a lot of terms because that gives them more confidence and also means that you think, oh, I can't manage my money myself. I have to give it to this person. So you do have to take a step back, I think, from the macro economy at all times and say, hold on, what am I investing in one company? What's that CEO? What's that team? What's that product? What's that gross margin? And I believe in looking at the fundamentals of a company and saying, well, when the sea's rising, because it's good times, everybody might rise with it. But when the sea's going down, not everybody will go down. And yeah. I want to find the boats that can navigate their way out of the harbour or have something that's different or 
or better than the next boat if you think of boats as shares. So yeah, yeah. Um, I have all these wacky analogies. I'm sorry. No, I love that. <laughs> um, that made so much sense. <laughs> so that that's really it in a nutshell, I think. And and I think, again, if there's ever a term used, you know, with a lot of confidence, particularly on American business TV, just look it up on Google and go, oh, okay, that's what that is, you know. And I still do that. I don't think Investopedia or whatever it is and go, oh, yeah, that's right. I Investopedia is such a great resource. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Who needs university? Yeah. You've got Investopedia. So, Sal, you mentioned um, investor confidence. And would you be able to define kind of what this is and is that the main thing that has an effect on share prices? Oh, that that's a really hard question, I think, Sophie. Too hard. <laughs> Too hard. Um, no, just because I think investor confidence is um, defined sort of by the media to some extent to say, you know, at the moment stocks are feeling really frothy. Somebody will say that on a business channel and you're like, oh, that means they're too high. They're, and somebody else will come in and go, no, the long-term historical price-to-earnings ratio or profitability or, of buying shares is actually really okay versus the money supply. And before you know it, you're lost. So, and then what really triggers, say, the sell-off last February was COVID, but was it, you know, what day did it happen on or does it sort of happen gradually and then, woof, you get a yeah, bit of a decline. So, true. so you look back and go, why didn't I see that coming? The market had gone down for 10 days in a row. I should have sold then and bought back, you know, three days later. But, you know, it, so investor confidence is really hard. You just have to be watching a lot of things. And, and I think it is experience over time. You get a feeling that you can read multiple views of the same market in one day. But I think it obviously comes back to if the economy is growing, if it's outpacing growth, if unemployment's falling below what's expected, if inflation is in check. It's often about meeting expectations though. So I always say to my kids that the most successful way to parent is to have really low expectations. (laughs) No, I'm joking. Um, So the the best way to invest maybe is to have low expectations and a long-term viewpoint as well and be realistic that there's going to be bumps and slides along the way. Yeah, I think that's the benefit of long-term investing is, you know, I guess all of these things start to matter a bit less and you don't have to be worried about, you know, is consumer confidence up? Is it down? Are things overpriced? Because if you're in it for the long term, you know, you can actually ride out all of those bumps. Right. And, And Kathy Wood, I'll quote her again. I mean, they bring her onto TV three years ago to talk about how Tesla is going to be at $3,000 a share or $1,000 a share and laugh at her because it was about $100 at the time. And lo and behold, now it was, you know, $700 and a split and she's right and, and they're wrong. So I think what you have to work on as an investor is having your own viewpoint regardless of what the other investors are saying and, and have that based on sort of reasonable analysis and evidence and fundamentals. That's what people say. They say never buy into a stock because someone said it around the pub at a table. Like you have yeah. to be doing your own research and understand what you're buying into. Yeah, and nobody's going to listen to that. Everybody's going to buy a stock because some friend told them. Yeah. And, and I have done that. And you go, hold on, what does the company do again? I yeah. know. Who's like, the management? What's the gross margin of the product? It doesn't make money. What? Yeah. You know, like, I just think, yeah, yeah, don't do that. Yeah, I actually did do that. Not not that recently, so don't worry. <laughs> but I went back to the friend like a year later who told given me the stock pick and she was like, No, I sold out of that ages ago. And I was oh, like, Are yes. you serious? Thanks for telling Why me. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> 
So Sal, I wanted to know, have you, I guess we're sort of chatting about how global events can impact share prices. Is there anything, is there an example of this in your career? I mean, COVID obviously being probably the most obvious one, but you know, something that's happened where you've seen sort of share prices really directly impacted? Yeah. I, it's not a share story, but I've bought a property during the first European debt crisis in 2011. Uh, Greece looked like it was going to be bankrupt and the, the property market for two weeks. And I don't know what was happening to the share market at the time because I was focused on property, but it just went dead. Nobody turned up to auctions. and it was Even just, in Australia? Even in Australia, yeah, 2011, wow. it was just a really quiet time. And then it sprung back into action sort of a few weeks after everybody got used to the fact that different countries in Europe might be bankrupt and that they'd be bailed out by the European Monetary Fund. So a lot of the time it's what is unexpected in the market. If the market has built it into the expectations gradually or whether it suddenly has to do that and there's a drop-off in, in valuation. I mean, pandemic was an amazing buying opportunity in some companies, but it's not for the faint of heart, you know. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I think my kids came to me and said, we should sell everything and yeah. have a little portfolio at the time. And I said, no, you, this is the time to hold fast or put a bit more money in. They're like, What? You know, now I'm like, I'm not sure if it's now. You can't really, I don't believe in timing the market. I don't have the expertise. Um, I'm not working at this full time. So I think time in the market is more important. And yeah, can I think of an example where an event, I guess things go in and out of favour and it's always good to think what's out of favour currently because that's often where the value is if you're a value investor. I tend to be a thematic investor, so I like, disruptive companies that are high technology, very defensible, strong products and are changing the world. So Tesla, for example, where it's sort of a joke initially, but my kids knew the brand name of Tesla and it was so strong to them. It was better than a Porsche five years ago. Like, how can that be? Probably my best stock pick and was more around seeing that eBay was a thing and people were buying, selling their junk on eBay. And I was, I think, a CEO at the time. I'm like, I'm not going to bother with that that stuff on the weekend. I've got better things to do, (laughs) like visit retail malls and my stores. No, but what I noticed was that there was this thing called PayPal being used to transfer money because you needed something really secure. But that's not a macroeconomic trend, I don't think. But it is sort of a trend that big companies can't innovate and can't build digital interfaces very well for younger people or for people that are digital native or for me who's like a digital native. So I invested very early in eBay in order to get into PayPal. So I tend to ignore the macroeconomic, I guess, circumstances. At the moment, in Australia at least, you know, there's talk about, and and the world, you know, the market's strong, the housing market's on fire. What about inflation? Yeah. And everybody's expecting that's coming. It's like this big tsunami out there somewhere and we're not sure how much or when, but, you know, should we be preparing some of our portfolios, which are, you know, sort of, cyclical against inflation or what if there's more strains of COVID what's essential services some allocation of funds maybe not to cash because you're getting whatever you're getting less than one (laughs) (laughs) percent you're paying for the honor but maybe to invest in something like food or agricultural um, land or that that is something that I've considered and I've seen friends overseas who are funds managers talk to me about that as well so that is something I'm looking at and in my professional life, I'm working with an ag food fund at the moment. So I am actually actively investing other people's money in that area. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. I think you make a great point about sort of reframing maybe this conversation even a little bit from, you know, the macro environment to more just our broader environment. And, you know, you talk about PayPal and so much of investing and spotting investment opportunities is actually just looking around you and, you know, what what is picking up? Because we think about things like PayPal and, you know, if you're seeing it on websites everywhere and it's becoming a really big thing, well, you know, their results might come out in another few months' time and it might reflect that pickup in activity, but you can see it now. So you can actually get ahead of the market by investing in that and get it before it goes up, which is where the opportunity is. So I think maybe it's about looking around us more and looking at the trends and what we're using, and that can be a really great way to spot opportunities. Uh, Look, I'm a retailer at heart, so (laughs) I notice when people start wearing mules, you know, and not shoes with the back. It happens so quickly. Or they're not wearing as much black, they're wearing colour or whatever. It happens quickly. It happens so quickly. And so you take that same sort of situational awareness and you turn that to the share market and apply that to how does this affect and which company do I pick in order to sort of ride the back of it. And there are, there's so much out there. Shopify was another one. Yeah. Because I was, you know, running, I think, online commerce maybe for Big W at the time or it might have been a bit earlier than that. And lots of little brands I were talking to were using this amazing product called Shopify. And it, instead of being 100000 200000 to open a website, it was $5,000. And I'm looking into it and I was like, this Canadian company? What? <laughs> Okay, yep, go hard. And so I tend to very much bet on what I see in the environment. When I say bet, I should never use that word in this podcast, (laughs) should I? There's no such thing as betting. No. This is investing. It's all informed decisions. (laughs) Exactly. But very much backing something that I've seen like that. And they've always been my best stock pick. So sticking to what you know. Something you know. But also with what you're using and you have personal experience with is a wonderful way to start. And it makes you more engaged in what you're doing as well if you're just starting out. I uh, was listening to a podcast where a funds manager was chatting, maybe it was last week or a couple of weeks ago, and she was saying that she invested in a jewellery company and she used to go into the jewellery company in the stores and ask the staff, you know, how are sales going and checking out whether things are on discount and actually getting her information from that, which I thought was just so funny. The best fund managers did that when I was at Oriton and Ralph, Lauren, for sure. And because you'd ask them, have you ever been into a store? And they go, no. And you'd be like, right, X through your name. (laughs) And then the good ones are like, well, I've been in all these stores in the other side of the country as well. That's Mm. the other thing about trading department stores and the investors and discussion around how the department stores are faring. And you're thinking, You've only ever been to the Melbourne City Store and the Sydney City Store. You have to go to back blocks to really see it. Mm. Yeah, no, do your fundamental research. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't be lazy. But that look, we have an advantage as women in some of those areas because we can go in and just look like any old customer. You know, when I was CEO of various companies, I take my kids when they were little and they'd smear muffins, you know, on the mirrors, not necessarily on purpose, but and, and you have only 10% of your brain sort of alive to what's happening in the store or what you need to get today because you've got 90% making sure your children don't die. <laughs> um, so, and that's how a normal customer is. So yeah. versus, you know, if you're going in in a suit, you're a male, you're the only male in the store, you're all oh, the bosses here, you know, suddenly it's cleaner, it's tidier. The value of being underestimated <laughs> is wonderful and you can collect a lot of information by asking really simple questions and I encourage people to do that. I think curiosity is is what can drive your great investment returns. Well, I think that's one of the things like sometimes people don't want to ask those questions because it can come across as like, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about and people don't want to seem, I guess, 
uneducated, but really in this space, asking questions, talking to people. And I mean, that's really what we're trying to do. Get more people opening up this dialogue and asking the questions Mm. so that we can actually have those conversations about investing. It's a problem in Australia and I, I want to change it too in a different way. Maybe I'm at dinner parties and I want to talk about investing and stock picks and do you think any women my age want to do that? They, yeah. They don't want to do that. They look at me like I'm, well, annoying, <laughs> very, very annoying and I know that I am. But They're like, leave it at work, please. Yeah, leave it at work, please. And I'm like, no, but it's, it's so Exciting. much fun and don't you, you know, so I change it to fashion or some other topic but I'm still trying to get information. I think. For some reason, we've been groomed to think that money is dirty or money's impolite, um, that, you know, we're not going to have equality until we manage our own capital and or have half of the capital decisions out there in Australia. Um, so where the private equity money goes, who's actually making the money decisions, they're the ones with the power. Yeah, that's so interesting. I actually had a friend message me the other night and we have a birthday lunch this weekend and she said, can I, I've got a couple of questions. Can I ask you at the birthday lunch and we can talk about <laughs> investing? And I literally was like, yes, like amazing. That is what I want to talk about at this birthday lunch. So very funny that you bring that my up. My sister was like, can you come over for dinner? And I was like, sure. She's like, I need to talk to you about like setting up my investments. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah, there needs to be a safe space for people to be yeah. able to ask what they consider stupid questions. But it, I do think there's a level of machismo around finance and and I went to Harvard Business School, but I was still told by some board members my financial skills weren't very good. Oh, really? <laughs> and I, it's not true. Yeah. I rejected that because I was leading Oriton at the time or whatever company it was, you know, through incredible change. I knew exactly how to drive the commercial levers of that company. But I just don't think they're used to women with a voice that maybe inflects upwards or who have short, blonde, curly hair <laughs> having opinions on on some of those things. So it's just you can't be what you can't see maybe. So, you know, those of us that, that are seen need to be big and bold about it. We are going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, but we will be right back to discuss how we can identify some of those macroeconomic environment opportunities with Sally. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So, Sal, we've broken down, you know, what the macro environment really is, or sorry, the economic environment uh, is (laughs) and some ways that it does impact the share market. So do you have any tips for learning how to, you know, start to identify trends? We spoke a bit about how you, in your industry, you know, in the retail industry, you saw PayPal and Shopify early on 
Yeah, I guess just tips on how to spot those opportunities. I think you have to read a lot and there's a lot of information out there so that you don't even have to generate new ideas. You can go to some of the best performing fund managers like a Magellan in Australia, I guess, or a Kathy Wood of ARK Invest. It's (laughs) A-R-K. Sound like a sponsorship. (laughs) I-N-V-E-S-T. And you they can, are more than welcome to sponsor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they are. Come on, bring it down. You'll find on online information about their funds and there's usually a little top 10 holdings box down the bottom right or left or there's a product disclosure statement where they have to, by law, tell you who they're investing in. And you can look at those companies and say, you know, first of all, you can find out who the best performing fund managers are. You can Google that and there's a ranked table every year in Australia and overseas by country or by industry if you're interested just in healthcare. And then you can go to product disclosure statements and or top 10 holdings and you can research those companies. So that's a really um, easy way to get started. It's desk-based and you're not looking foolish, you're just looking around. Um, But why not borrow from the best people who are clearly performing well? Otherwise, I think, you know, reading um, and trying to always ask yourself the contrarian questions saying, okay, so inflation's coming What are the companies that will do well despite very high inflation? Or what happens now if what are those companies? Or what are the companies that are delighting me, surprising me in my own life? Or what are the problems or the things that I hate? I hate going to the petrol station personally. I find it so boring. And if I could never go again, I would never go again. Guess what? Interesting one, yeah. So um in the ARK Invest documentation, and you can follow them quite often, the fund managers in in states particularly. They'll publish weekly, you know, what's happening with cryptocurrency pieces. So you, before you know it, you'll have so much more, too much to read. You won't, you'll never get on top of it. So then you've got to sort of say, well, what's sparking my interest? It's all, oh, I love this whole idea of green energy or electric vehicles or electric battery storage. Let's read everything about that. And then start to say, well, who are the best fund managers? What are they, their top five picks? So I sort of did that around when, when I didn't know a lot, to give an example. About one area, it was um, gaming. I saw that the, you know, virtual gaming and sports watching was becoming a huge thing. And so I, you know, sniffed around and I found a few companies and I saw this one, NVIDIA, that I'd never personally heard of. So I asked my kids, do you know what's happening? I've got two kids that are, or three kids, but two are particularly computer scientific. And they're like, oh my God, their, their virtual gaming is amazing. It's better. Ch- I'm like, you're 15 years old. How do you know this? <laughs> you play way too many games. Yeah. <laughs> That's my fault. He's like, no, definitely get that one, not AMD or not, you know, any, and they'll have opinions, which I know is odd to ask younger people, but you want to ask people outside of your group. So if you're in your twenties, ask people in your thirties, forties, fifties. Um, and then I'll watch videos on the, from the company. I love to see the CEO or the CFO. I know that sounds like something my parents' generation would do. Oh, he had a nice face, so I invested. <laughs> and my mother-in-law was like that. I'm like, no, no, no. But I still think it's quite telling how they can articulate their story. Um, and then I read a lot. I use a, another, um, I guess, roll-up of stock information called Guru Focus, which is very, very cluttered with every number in the world. Um, that gives you a lot of information on whether that company is doing insider trading, whether all the management is selling their oh, stock at the yes. moment. Not That's illegal. Good to know. Oh, yeah. right. I thought you said that like insider trading. <laughs> it sort of is. But so usually that's not a great sign if yeah. they're selling everything and yeah. it's usually a good sign if they're buying. That's Not that you, again, invest based on that alone, but you're sort of just collecting lots of pieces of information 
Sometimes I'll use dividend money, like spare money, if you like, to buy a little piece of a company. I was interested in solar energy, but I didn't really know much about it. And after sniffing around, I found an Israeli company called Solar Edge. And I thought, oh, you know, I don't really know much about this, but I'm not going to be engaged unless I put some money there. So I put, I think, 1000 or $2,000 into Solar Edge when it was virtually nothing. And then I read every statement from then on and it went up and up and up. So I got lucky, but it won't always happen that way. So it's just learning incrementally and using every resource. But my first tip would be absolutely going to fund managers and looking at their top 10 holdings and piggybacking. And there's people that, for example, follow ARK Invest on Reddit themes that, that I'm also part of who tell you it, she published, they publish every day what they've bought and sold. So it's com- usually that stuff come, becomes available, I think, after a month or a week in the US by law, but they're often held by trading companies. You don't know who it is. ARK is just completely open with it. So wow. you have people that That's will just mirror all their yeah. trades without the management fee. You need a lot of time to do that, by the way. <laughs> I think, yeah, it's, it's sniffing around and ferreting. It's very much like retailing where, you know, or selling product where you're using thousands of pieces of little data all together to form a store. Yeah, I think as well, like it doesn't need to be, when people are researching, it doesn't even need to be that hard. It can just be, as you said, a pickup from a conversation that you've had with a friend or someone a different age. It could be from a, a podcast. The other day I was listening mm-hmm. to a podcast and it was a news podcast and it was talking about, I think it was microchips and a shortage of microchips in the world. So you think, oh, there's a shortage of microchips. Like there's an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just picking up those little conversations. You don't need to be scrolling through like resources and resources. It's great to read, but you know, it can just be yeah. interacting with your environment. So make your middle name glean. <laughs> sort of wherever, wherever you go, just glean it. Yeah. No, I, I do, but I do want to say I think it's really important to then go back to whoever you're trading with, CMC, ANZ, whatever, and say, okay, what are the sales size? What is the gross margin? What is the net margin? Like how profitable is this company or not? So a company like Microsoft, Amazon, these companies, oh, my God, the gross margin's 50 or 80% and the net margin's 45% and they're growing at, what, 20% and they're, what, this, oh, my God. That's, and then you, tr- you look at the big fang stocks and you say, okay, try and find a company in Australia that replicates that. But all I'm, I'm getting sidetracked to just <laughs> sales, gross margin, net margin yeah. and or what cash or debt they have to, if they're not profitable, which can still be a really great investment, you need to know well, how much funding have they got. And that's getting into sticky bits. Yeah. If you just have companies that are profitable and they've got high margins, that's a, you know, things get tough. Their margins come down a little bit, but they're still very profitable and they're still going to be long-term. Yeah. And for anyone who's listening and is really confused by all those like technical, I guess, finance terms, we are going to be doing an episode on that to explain some of them to be what you can look for when you are looking at companies. So yeah. don't stress it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. I want to be part of that. No, the, the price to the PE multiple, I always explain to people as the price per mil of perfume. Ah, good one. <laughs> right. So sometimes you get a fancy bottle and so they're charging a lot, but the actual price per mil of the perfume is not that good. Right. <laughs> it's pretty low cost because it's cheap, synthetic versus beautiful florals and essences. So anyway. We can talk about it. Good way of putting it. So, Sal, each episode we have been asking our guests to add a stock, company, news, trend, industry to our watch list. And the purpose of this is to get us thinking outside the box and broaden our horizons in the investing space. But we are not financial advisors and this is purely for educational purposes only. 
and absolutely does not constitute financial advice. So Sal, what are you bringing to the watch list today? Oh, that is scary because I know you'll look back later and say she was wrong, she was right. I still think Apple and Microsoft are wonderful buys. Mm -hmm. 34 or 35 times the price to earnings. So when you work out what that is later, it's an important metric. I think that's the same as Woolworths and West Farmers, just to keep (laughs) it in perspective. But then look at the gross margins of Apple and Microsoft and compare those to the supermarket. They're a little bit higher. Um, So I still think there's a lot of value there in Apple have an amazing new battery. That new battery is taking over the world. Or not battery, but chip, um, which is outpacing and much better than the Intel processing that's been there before. Otherwise, I have invested in some SPACs, which are these special purpose uh, cash box companies in the US. That's a bit speculative. But generally, I think, you know, I like to invest in sort of electric or, you know, green batteries and vehicles, gene sequencing, CRISPR, Mm -hmm. editing, autonomous robots, these sorts of themes or fintech, these themes that are slowly creeping away and growing and getting better and bigger. And they're the companies in those that will take over the world before we know it. Yes, very likely. It's going to be it's going to be very exciting probably the next 50 to 100 years to see where technology takes us. So now, Sal, the last question that we ask uh, every guest is what piece of advice would you give your younger self when you first started out investing? Consider this as a full-time career. It's actually <laughs> really fun. I had no idea. Um, for my younger self, though, in the end, I think I started investing sort of as soon as you could get the information for free on the internet which wasn't that long ago, I would say uh, to be different, I'll say the most important decision you make in life is who you partner with. Um, That's a great one. Yeah. And that's not to say um, that you shouldn't partner or you have to partner. It's just that you need to partner with someone that will respect your right to controlling your or your finances together um, and encourage you. And, and I certainly have that. And I think it's, really, really important. And a man is not a financial plan. And a woman's not a financial plan either, by the way, guys or girls. I don't care. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, you've got to own your, you, to work so hard in your job and then they take superannuation away and not actually know where the super's going and to not actually invest. That's just dumb. It's, it's like, our education system has failed us if that's really what we are. We actually have another podcast in our network called Meet, Pay, Love, and they are a podcast all about relationships and money. And they talk about a lot of that kind of thing. And I think it's such an important topic because, you know, we, Soph and I talk about it a lot. A lot of us sort of think that, you know, our partner will take care of it or someone else will take care of it, our families. And it's just really not it doesn't cut it anymore. And I think yeah. we have to be a lot more proactive. Yeah. And there's a lot of well, either divorce or early death or for whatever reason, um, it doesn't work out. And then you have like whatever time age you are and you have no clue. And so you have to own, yeah, your financial decisions and your financial future and your security. I think it's very, very important. And I, I don't know why American women do, um, my understanding from having lived there seven years were more embracing of the fact that they can do it. So we need to, we must have more conversations, more confident men here that we need Uh, to put back (laughs) in their box and say, no, it's my money too. No, I think you've summed it up perfectly and you have pretty much said what our mission is here. We want people to take control of their finances and we want to bring up wealth quality in Australia, around the world, wherever we can get reach. So we just wanted to say thank you so much. Uh, look, honestly, you have to get financially literate if you're not and you're, you're listening to this and not as a, 
as a chore either, but there will be a way that you can learn the information in a fun way or in a way that suits the way you learn. So just don't be discouraged. Don't let anybody put you down and say that you somehow are not smart enough to understand finance. It's rubbish. Perfect advice. Thanks so much for your time today, Sal. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. It was fun. You're in good company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of You're In Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.